Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, hey, welcome and good morning. Uh, So glad all of you are here at Lighthouse Community this morning. Uh, My name is Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here. And if we haven't met, I'd love to connect with you sometime. And I want to say welcome to all of our guests here in the house today. And then those of us joining online, uh, Bluffton Community, Fostoria, um, you know, or you're just, you're uh, in our online campus. So uh, we're glad you're here as well. So hopefully we get a chance to meet you really, really soon. So my wife, Christina, and I are uh, quite different from one another in many ways. And uh, those of you who know us know that that's true. Uh, But probably one of the most stark ways uh, that that plays out is just the fact that I'm a little more adventurous than she is. Um, I'm even willing to risk looking foolish uh, in the name of just having fun um, and and just kind of being together. But she's a little bit more reserved than I am. And that's not necessarily, that's not like a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, it's how it is. Um, but one example that I think about uh, when I think about that contrast is uh, from uh, when we first got married. So after we got married, we were gifted uh, a really gracious gift of a cruise to the Bahamas. And so uh, on one of the days, uh, we were on an excursion and going through the islands. And we were taking, you know, you're taking pictures. We'd never been there before. And I noticed uh, kind of off about about a half a block, maybe a little bit further away, was a Bahamian police officer. And I don't know if you've ever seen a Bahamian police officer, but their uniform is like, it's, it's awesome. It's like really jazzy and snazzy. I don't know how you arrest people in that thing, but it's, uh, it's so cool. And so I was like, I want to go get my picture with this police officer. So I started walking towards him. And the exact same time, I started like, you know, I'm just walking towards him. He uh, just turns and starts walking away. I'm like, oh, well, that's weird timing. So I pick up my pace just a little bit more, right? He picks up his pace a little bit more. So I start jogging to try to catch up to him. He starts jogging as well, right? We get to the place, we are full-on sprinting. Like, I am chasing this guy, and he, is, he, gets, he got away from me. He got out of town. First time I've ever chased the police. Um, but uh, he got out of there, and, and I never got my picture, right? And I, I never really saw him again. Um, maybe a few years later, I think he was in the Olympics. He was in the 100-meter dash. He got the, I think he got the silver. Um, but, you know, he's quick. But uh, so I'm out there doing that. Meanwhile, Christina's just on the park bench going, what are you doing? Right? Like, what, what is this? This is ridiculous. I can't believe I just made this horrible decision. Uh, <laughs> but right, so, so we all have uh, areas of our lives where we're a little more bold. Uh, and then we have areas of our lives where we're a little bit unsure of ourselves. And you might even identify those areas of, of uncertainty as fears, right? Um, you might not know this, but one of the most common fears in America is public speaking. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Actually, it was a survey, and the number one fear of Americans was speaking in public, right, in front of others. Do you know what number two is? It is not spiders. Good guess. Yeah, death. Death. 
Death is number two, right? Like after, so I love what Jerry Seinfeld points out, right? He says, if you have to go to a funeral based on that survey, you would rather be the one in the coffin than the one giving the eulogy, right? Like that, like just based on that, because we're so afraid of speaking in public. And so a lot of times people will look at what I do, right? Speaking in front of lots of people on the regular and say, I could never do what you do, right? I don't have that ability. I'm not that bold. I'm not that confident, and I think that that is a little bit of a misunderstanding about boldness in regards to the gospel, right? Um, boldness with the gospel is not confidence in yourself, right? Boldness with the gospel is not that you know what to do in every single situation, right? Boldness in the gospel is not even the absence of fear, now you have to understand all of that. Rather, boldness with the gospel is a recognition that on my own, I am not, comp- I am not capable of accomplishing anything of real meaning or real value, right? Um, it's, it's the reality that I am capable of no good thing in and of myself, by myself, removed from God. But rather, it's God at work in me. It's God at work through me, right, that gives me boldness and courage. Now, if I'm just being transparent with you this morning, um, I've been teaching or preaching, whatever, however you want to classify that, or whatever you, you might identify what I do up here. But, um, right, so I've been doing this uh, for 20 years, and almost every time before I get up to speak or teach, I'm nervous. Even this morning, right? I'm spending time in prayer. I'm nervous. I want to be sure that what is said is thoughtful. It gives glory to God. It makes the gospel with amazing. It makes the gospel clear with clarity. Um, all of those things. But but I still get nervous and I battle fear at times. And at the exact same time, I have overwhelming confidence in the Scripture. I have overwhelming confidence in the character of God. I have overwhelming confidence that the Holy Spirit will use this moment for his glory no matter how I come out looking at the end of this thing, right? I am confident of that. And so those two things are true at the exact same time. And I love talking about the scripture because that's, that's the only thing that really matters, right? It's the only thing that's going to stand the test of time. It's the only thing that's going to, that's going to last. Now, God doesn't necessarily invite every single one of us to stand on a stage in front of lots of people and unpack scripture um, in that regards, but he does invite every single follower of Jesus to tell others about who he is, and he empowers us with the ability to do that. Now, sometimes that's one-on-one with a friend. Sometimes that might be in a small group setting. Sometimes that can be, uh, maybe you're texting uh, with a friend or you're, you're you know, typing things online with someone that you care about. Right? God empowers every single Christ follower for that. But here's the question, right? Here's the tension that gets wrapped up in that. What do you do when the expectation that God has empowered and invited every disciple to talk about Jesus, right? That's the expectation. What do you do when that expectation and the reality of what actually is don't line up, when those are out of alignment? What do you do in that moment? Here's what I mean, right? God invites every Jesus follower to share the good news 
of Jesus with others, but what if I've never talked with anyone about who God is? What if I'm in the group of two, almost two-thirds, right? 61% of Christians, right? These are people who have said yes to Jesus. They have experienced, or say they've experienced the gospel themselves. What if I'm a part of the 61% of believers who have actually not had a single spiritual conversation with anyone over the last six months? What if I'm in that group? What do you do with the expectation of what Scripture says and the reality of what's going on? So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 4. We're in this series called All In, Saying Yes to Jesus. And we've been diving into the mission, we've been diving into the vision and the values of Lighthouse Community, and why this phrase, we say yes to Jesus, is so central to who we are as a family. Now, uh, I do want to say a special thank you to Kim Smith. Uh, She rocked it with the retelling of Acts chapter 4, so thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate it. Um, And so we're not going to read through that chapter this morning, because Kim already crushed it, Uh, but we are going to kind of jump in and out of some verses uh, a little bit. And and here's one of the first truths that comes out, you know, as Kim is sharing about Acts chapter 4, and we look in the scriptures, is this. Talking about Jesus is risky, right? There's a level of risk that's involved when we talk about Jesus. Now, when you look at this account uh, of what's happened here in Acts chapter 4, this whole moment of imprisonment, of interrogation, of threats, it all started because God used Peter and John in an act of compassion, right? They healed a man who couldn't walk, and through prayer, He was given the ability to walk again. And so what happened is all of these people started clamoring around. This crowd gathers and go, how how does this happen? And and Peter and John, they just share the truth, right? It's like, well, it's it's because of Jesus. And, And you can't really talk about Jesus without talking about his resurrection. So they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about his resurrection. And that's when the fight started, right? That's when it all started to break loose. Look at uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people, and check this out, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And so you've got Peter and John, they're engaged in God's rescue mission, right? They're sharing the gospel with other people. And, and you have to understand, the central piece to the gospel is the resurrection. If you don't have the resurrection, you don't have the gospel, right? That's, that's central to it, and so they're talking about it. And so what you have to understand, this is a really big problem for the Sadducees who are in charge of the temple, See, the Sadducees don't believe that there's a resurrection after you die. They just say, once you die, you're dead, and that's it, and it's over, and there's no resurrection that comes after that. And so now you've got Peter and John talking about the resurrection of Jesus, and I'm sure they're also talking about all the implications that come with that as well. And so simply to do that in the temple was risky in and of itself, okay? Now, now maybe you're going, I don't understand why that's such a big deal. Well, I want you to imagine this for just a moment. Imagine that members of a cult started leveraging the building of Lighthouse Community to teach their doctrine, right? That was different than who Jesus is. Would you be okay with that? 
I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not, right? That would bother me. And I would have to try to figure out, right? We would have to try to figure out how do we get that to stop happening? That's what's going on here with the Sadducees and the disciples. They believe so deeply in something. Now, now we know that it's, it's not quite right, right? It's not, it's not right. But from their perspective, they had to stop it. They had to stop what was going on here. So do you see why the Sadducees are so strongly against the gospel and specifically about Jesus? And what's amazing to me is that even in the face of clear evidence, these Sadducees are still resisting, right? They refuse to acknowledge the truth of the gospel. Look at uh, Acts uh, 4, verses 15 and 16, right? They're like investigating all of this stuff. And then it says, But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. We can't deny this. This is true. This has happened. So like in the face of clear evidence, they're still resisting. And on top of that, the Sadducees saw that Peter and John, these are uneducated, common men, but their relationship with Jesus has changed them. Right? Their relationship with Jesus has transformed who they are. They see the evidence of a man who was clearly healed. They're saying, we can't deny that this has taken place, and yet they still refuse to believe. Why? I'll tell you the core. Sin. <laughs> their own sin, their own desire for being in leadership of their lives and having leadership and authority over others, right? Because they controlled the temple. They controlled what happened in the temple, right? Who was allowed in? Who had to stay out? What could happen inside? What had to, you know, take it outside of that? So they loved being in control. They loved being in power. And so their sin is why they refuse to believe that way. And they're unwilling to submit to Jesus. Because if they do, guess who's not in charge anymore? Me. Right? So they refused, even in the face of evidence. And so talking about Jesus is risky because sometimes people will say no, even when it's overwhelmingly clear to others that it's true. So, so how are Peter and John able to share the gospel even though they're probably afraid? Well, that's the second truth that comes out of here, right? Uh, Kim did a, a great job of highlighting that in the scriptures. And it's this, the Holy Spirit empowers disciples with boldness. Right? The Holy Spirit empowers disciples with boldness. Because this was, here, here's what's happening. This is not like, you know, Peter and John are being called in front of the Jewish high council and, and they go off into a little side room before they're called and interrogated and they're like, they're like psyching each other up. You know, they're like pushing each other in the wall. Like, Come on, man, let's do this. Let's share the gospel. You know, and they're, they're putting their AirPods in their ears and hitting playlists on Skillet's, you know, best hits. And they're like jazzing each other up, getting their head game going. And come on, we're going to do this. We're going to share the gospel, all that kind of stuff. Do you know what happened? And you know why they're so bold with the gospel? It's in verse 8. This is why they're so bold to speak the gospel in front of thousands. This is why they're so bold to speak the gospel in front of people who clearly oppose what's going on. It's verse 8. Actually, let's do this. Let's read verse 8 out loud together, starting with then Peter. Are you ready? Go. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. That is so critical. You have to see the power of that phrase. This was not Peter drumming up the strength and the courage to make this happen. This was Peter filled 
with the Holy Spirit to speak, right? And so the Holy Spirit spoke through Peter, and the high court heard the gospel. They heard that Jesus had been raised by the very God that they claimed to represent. They heard that Jesus is the cornerstone of faith. They heard that the only way to be saved is through faith in Jesus. And your religion isn't going to save you, and your morality is not going to save you, and your wealth isn't going to save you, and your ability to control and manipulate other people isn't going to save you, and your ability to acquiesce when things get tough is not going to save you. They heard with clarity, it is Christ alone. And if you reject Christ, you reject everything that comes with that. He's the cornerstone of faith. And Peter and John spoke with amazing boldness about all that they had seen and they had heard. And by the way, they're doing this in front of the same exact group that months before had condemned Jesus to death. This is the same court These are the same guys that are sitting there, right? So can you imagine what's going through Peter and John's mind in this moment? Well, we know what they did to Jesus. Could that possibly happen to us too in this moment? But Peter spoke the gospel with clarity. Now contrast that just for a second with the same Peter who did not have the Holy Spirit residing within him. The night of Jesus' interrogation, right? He's out by the campfire, And he's afraid to admit to a 12-year-old girl that he even knows who Jesus is. Now, he's speaking in front of, quite frankly, the highest authority in all of Israel, saying, yeah, Jesus, you killed him. (laughs) He's the cornerstone of faith. And if you don't put your faith in him, yeah, there is no resurrection. That's for sure. This is one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, by the way. He empowers believers to share the gospel, even when they're afraid. Uh, Jesus talked about this ministry in Mark chapter 13, verse 11. Uh, he, he says, but when you are arrested and, strand, and stand trial. Is that happening in Acts 4? Yeah. Like this exact scenario is set up. He says this, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. It's one of his ministries. It's what he does in the lives of believers. He empowers us to do that which we could not do on our own. And so sometimes when you share the gospel, people will say no like the Sadducees. But other times when you share the gospel, people will say yes. You see that at the opening of the chapter, right? How many people are now of faith in the family of God? It's just, you know, it says says 5,000 men. I'm sorry, that is not a dig on women and young people in any way whatsoever. It's just how they counted. I'm sorry. I was not in that culture. I would have changed the rules if I could have. Um, But so it's like 5,000 men. So then you got to add on all the women, all the young people, all of that. You could be talking, right? Well over 10,000 people have come to faith because of sharing the gospel, right? That's what happens when the Holy Spirit empowers disciples with boldness. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, another reason Peter and John could be so bold in talking about Jesus is they had a fundamental belief in this core truth. They knew God was in control. They knew that God 
is in control. They knew that God had a plan, that he was accomplishing in them, and he was accomplishing through them. You see that immediately after they're released, right, in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, they turn to prayer. Look at how they start their prayer. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. Their opening statement is you are the God of all power, you are the God of all control, you are the God has a will and a plan. That's who you are, right? They're declaring their trust in him right from the outset. Then if you jump down to verse 27, it says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, right? Two government leaders, along with the Gentiles, along with the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. This prayer is just dripping with trust in God. We, right? It's like, God, you're in control. We trust you. We're trusting your leadership in our lives, and we're even asking you to use us as part of your plan. That is very, very different than doing your own thing and then asking God to bless it. God, I've got all these wonderful plans. Could you make them work out really well for me? That's not what this prayer is. This is you're in charge. You're in control. We trust you. How are you leading us? We want to do that. The other thing this exposes is this. You know, a lot of times what we love to do, um, I, and I do it too, right, is we, we give thanks to God for opening doors or things going really well. We're like, oh, you never believe God's in this thing. He's like opening up doors and things are going so well and I can't believe this door got open. We never thought that door was going to open. That's clearly God. And yet we don't share that same kind of praise and celebration when God allows challenges to go in front of us. We go, oh, that door didn't open, so God's not in this. It could be the reason that door didn't open is because God's in this. Do you see that? Do do you see that? That actually, did you know that God is not only the God of open doors, God is also the God of closed doors. God is the sovereign God over challenges. God is a sovereign God when opposition comes into your life. Do you know why God allows oppositions, challenges, and closed doors to come into your life? So you'll learn to trust him. Because when you're trying to open that door and you're forcing, all of a sudden you go, oh, maybe I should pray about this. <laughs> maybe I should ask God. Maybe I should talk to him. And he's, it's an invitation for us to trust him and to lean on him not to go find something easier to do. It actually could be that God is asking us to wait. God is asking us to persevere. God is asking us to trust in him instead of our own selves, right? That's what the disciples did. They put their lives in God's hands. They committed themselves to his leadership, and they trusted him for every single outcome. And that's all in. That's all in. That's what all in looks like. By the way, that's risky. If you want to be honest, that's risky to live that way. So you see all of that clearly out of Acts chapter 4. There's more in there, um, but just for time, um, we'll kind of move on a little bit. But, you know, at, at Lighthouse Community, one of the things as you spend a little, you don't have to spend a lot of time here to see that we are really, really bent on joining God in his mission 
to rescue people from sin and death. Like, it doesn't take long to see that uh, clearly. We want to help other people say yes to him. Uh, We want to help other people discover the joys of living under his leadership. And so one of the outflows we talk about often is, you know, God's on a rescue mission, and he's invited us into that, right? Where there's no plan B, there's no JV team waiting to come. Like, it's us, right? Like, we uh, we are God's plan for this. And that rescue actually requires us to share the gospel with other people, even when we're afraid, right? So what do you do? What do I do when I'm afraid to share the gospel? Well, I think, I think the disciples showed us really clearly a pathway forward, and it's this. Ask God for boldness to share the gospel, even when we're afraid, right? We can just ask him. We can, we can, be, we can be open. We can be transparent. God, I'm really afraid right now. Would you, would you empower me with boldness? Would you lead me? Would you speak through me like Peter and John? I want to be able to do that for your glory. Now, the fear that we experience can come from different places, right? Sometimes that fear comes from inside of us. Sometimes that fear comes from outside of us. Uh, you might be afraid of how people will respond when you talk about Jesus. Because it's like, what if, you, what if you talk to somebody who believes that there is no God? And your whole starting premise, actually, they don't even buy into like, yeah, I don't even think there is a God. Why are you talking to me about this? All right? Uh, you might share the concept of grace with a person who holds deeply to the idea that you get what you get because you've earned that. And that's the way the world works. And when you share the idea of grace with them, they're, they're actually offended. What? That's a slacker's lifestyle. You pull your bootstraps up and you go get to work and you earn everything you get. Right? You see, it's no different than talking to a Sadducee about Jesus' resurrection. You see the correlation? You've got disciples talking about the clear resurrection of Jesus to people who don't believe there is even one. It's the same thing, right? And so, and you have to understand this as well. The gospel by its very nature is offensive. Did you know that? It's, it is. It's, it's offensive by its nature. Um, because what happens is Jesus sheds light into our darkness, And he exposes all the places that we've been trying to cover up and hide for the majority of our lives. That's offensive, right? Um, The gospel exposes the core of who you are and says this, you're sick. You're spiritually dead. You're not as good as you think you are. And you need Jesus. Actually, he's the solution. He's the cure to your sickness, right? It's risky to share that level of truth with another person. Like, just honestly, right? That's, that's risky. Because what we're used to talking about is like the weather <laughs> and sports and the fact that five minutes after I buy a pair of gloves, I lose one, right? That's why I don't wear gloves in the wintertime, right? Like, that's the kind of stuff we're used to talking about. And the gospel invites us to do this deep dive past all of that. And say, yeah, weather, sports, gloves, that's fine, but that's not going to solve the core issue of anybody's situation. And we're not used to going to that level. And we run the risk that someone will reject, will reject the gospel. That's a possibility. You share Jesus with them and they say no. But you have to understand this. If they reject the gospel, they're not rejecting you, right? They're rejecting Jesus. They're saying, no thanks, I don't, I don't want to believe what you believe. And so we run the risk of rejection. But also, did you know when we share the gospel, we run the risk that someone will say yes to Jesus. We run the risk that someone will actually, the Holy Spirit working in them, in them will recognize that and go, yeah, 
I want to say yes to that. I want to, I want to follow Jesus. By the way, if somebody says yes to Jesus because you shared the gospel with them, that's not about you either. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> if they reject you, it's not about you. If they say yes, it's not about you. It's actually about him, right? It takes off a lot of pressure. Isn't, isn't someone being born again worth the risk? Isn't seeing someone's life be transformed worth the risk? Here, I have a, a little experiment I might invite everybody here uh, in the room or joining online to engage in. Uh, I just want you to think for just a moment, think about the person who invited you to church, okay? Or think about the person who shared the gospel with you, all right? Think about that person. Get their, their uh, face in your mind. Think about their name. You got it? You got their name, person they invited you to church, or they shared the gospel with you. At some point, when you get an opportunity, ask them this question. Hey, were you at all nervous when you invited me to come to church with you? Were you at all nervous or scared when you shared the gospel with me? Ask them that question. And you know what I would almost guarantee? They're going to say, yeah, there was, a, there was a part of me. I was nervous. I was afraid to invite you to church. I was afraid to, I was afraid to talk to you about Jesus, right? Like, just, there's just that level with it. And so, aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit gave them boldness to talk to you about those things, right? Isn't that amazing? I know I'm forever grateful that my friend Andy invited me to youth group as a 16-year-old kid. I didn't even know what that was, right? A youth group. <laughs> that sounded so foreign to me. Uh, I'm in Debbie's debt for all the time she spent uh, telling me about who Jesus was, praying with me, helping me to understand who uh, Jesus Christ is. I'm, I'm so thankful for Martin uh, that I got to watch him front row seats in the way that he would point people to the authentic Jesus Christ, right? Like, I'm so grateful for all these people who Maybe even in spite of their anxiousness and some of their fear, they trusted the Holy Spirit. Um, they invested in me, right? I, I bless, I thank God for that. And so you and I can be bold with the gospel too, right? Sometimes, and because sometimes the fear comes from the outside, but also what do you do if the fear comes from the inside? What if the fear is like welling up from inside? What do you do then? Here's what I would say to you. Same thing, ask God for boldness, but I would start one layer back. Pray and walk through the gospel in your own life. Right? Walk through the gospel in your own life. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, I would invite you, if you're a note taker, uh, write down these three questions. Who am I? What has God done? And who is God? Okay? Write down those three questions. Who am I? What has God done? Who is God? And ask yourself those three questions. Here's what I mean. So you're afraid to share the gospel, right? Okay. Well, lean into that for a second and ask this question. Based on that, who am I? And just be honest, right? Based on that truth that I'm afraid to share the gospel, who am I? And if we're honest, we'll say, well, I'm afraid to talk about Jesus. I'm the kind of person that's afraid to talk about Jesus. I can't do it. Um, I will look like a fool, <laughs> right? Those are all things you might wrestle with. Now, based on that, ask the next question. Okay, based on that, on who I am, what has God done? Well, God has asked me to do something that I can't do, right? God has set me up to fail. That's what God has done, okay? Now, go to the next question, who is God? Based on those answers, who is God? Well, 
God doesn't really love me. And God's not really good. Okay? Are you a little uncomfortable yet? Some of you guys are going, uh, I thought this is the place where we talk about God in a positive way. <laughs> what is going on here? Some of you are thinking, what you just shared, that's not true about God at all. Exactly. Do you know what we're doing? We're exposing the lies that we've bought as truth. And we're calling them out. And we're, we're letting them surface within who we are, right? And so we're identifying them, and that gives us the uh, opportunity now to repent of those things. To see them for what they are, lies, and to reject them. And say, that's not true. So then we go through and we ask those three questions again, but we reverse the order. We start by asking the question, who is God? Well, based on our scripture we are reading this morning, we know that God is sovereign. (laughs) We know that God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. We know that God is good and he has a plan, right? That's all just based out of Acts 4, not including all of the rest of the things that are talked about uh, in the scriptures, right? Uh, And so then you ask, okay, based on that, what has God done? Well, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for me. God has equipped me with everything I need to talk about Jesus. God has cared enough for me to send another person to tell me about Jesus so that I could say yes to him and be saved. Okay? Now, based on all that, who am I? I'm loved. I'm adopted as a son of the king. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit to do everything he's called me to do, and I can tell others about Jesus even when I'm afraid. Right? Like, (laughs) Do you see what we've just done? We've walked through repentance with amazing clarity, confessing the lies and then confessing the truth. And when you're experiencing the fruit of sin, right? Isolation, anger, fear, uh, fear, desire of control. When all of that stuff is welling up within you, this is the opportunity to lean into the gospel, to press in deeply and walk through that, right? Identify the lies and repent and then confess the truth. And as you invite the Holy Spirit to lead you into and through the gospel, guess what he does through you? empowers you to lead others through the gospel and in the gospel as well, right? Now, here's a couple of next steps you might consider if you're wanting to risk for the gospel. These are actually on the back of your connection card that Nikki and Shay were talking about earlier. You can grab those, pull those out, look on the back. Uh, The first one is this, is to take time to learn to walk through the gospel in your own life, right? When you're seeing the fruit of those things well up and develop, right? The fruit of sin well up in your life. Walk through the gospel. Use those questions to repent and to confess. That's one step you might take. Another step you might take is this, is to do what the disciples did. Ask God for boldness to talk about Jesus um, even when you're afraid. To just simply pray. I've had moments where uh, I literally have sensed my heart rate increasing. I can tell that the sweat is beginning to bead on my forehead. And I'm trying to make it not obvious. You know, <laughs> like trying to get off. And in those moments, I've learned to just go, okay, Lord, this is not about me. Will you give me the boldness to speak truth in love and humility in this moment? And then you just jump. 
<laughs> and you trust him, right? Take the risk. Take the risk, right? You might get a front row seat to the supernatural rebirth of someone you love. You might get to watch them pass out of death into life right in front of your eyes. How cool would that be? Listen, the only way you really experience God anyways is through risk, right? That's like the whole life is wrapped up in that. In fact, if you're looking for a comfortable life where you can like kick your feet back and float through existence, you do not want to follow Jesus. That is actually not the life he invited us into. In fact, if you're looking for the cushy, comfortable life, let me encourage you, you need to run from Jesus as fast as you can and as far as you can because that is actually not the existence he's called us into. Not in the here and now, right? Instead, if you want life, if you want real life, if you want life to the fullest, if you want life where literally day after day is an adventure and you have no clue what God's going to be accomplishing in you and through you, it involves risk. It involves trusting Jesus. And it's in the risk when God shows up mightily, right? It's in those moments when God shows up. Now, maybe you're newer to Lighthouse community and, and you're kind of like, man, you guys are always talking about sharing the gospel. Why are you always, you always talk about that. Don't you have something else to say? <laughs> we could. I'll tell you why we're so passionate about inviting others to know Jesus. We love our county. And over two-thirds of our county does not know who Jesus is personally. And these are not the nameless tens of thousands. These are family members and friends, coworkers, neighbors, right? People we grew up and went to school with. This, our county is full of people that we love. Our county is full of people that God loves. And over two-thirds of our county does not know who Jesus Christ is. And I don't know about you and your story, but I remember that life. I remember my life without Jesus. I remember the hopelessness. I remember the fear of what the future may or may not bring. I remember wondering if my life even really mattered. Right? I remember asking those questions as a nine-year-old boy. Do I even really matter? And if I was here or if I wasn't here, would that even make a difference? Right? That's a weird question for a nine-year-old to ask. And then a friend had the boldness to invite me to church. And it was that family who invited and let me know who Jesus was, who took me to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus gave me a new life. He gave me a life of hope. He gave me a life of meaning. He gave me a life of joy. He gave me a life of faith. And I have known since that day that my life does matter. I have known since that day my life has purpose and my life has meaning and that God is using me. I sense God's presence in me. And we want every single person in our county to have an opportunity to experience that, to say yes to Jesus in their own lives. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're all in. And so I want to invite you this morning to bow your heads and close your eyes and ask this simple question, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen.
to what he has to say. What I recognize is in in a room like this that there may be people who actually have no context about what I'm talking about this morning. Because you haven't come to the place where you have said yes to Jesus in your own life. And so I want to just give a very brief invitation, if that's you, right? That actually your risk this morning is not to go out and tell other people about Jesus, because you can't tell others about what you haven't experienced yourself yet. But your risk is actually to say yes to him by faith. And let me tell you, that is a faith decision. There is literally no work involved in that right? Like you can't go, like even if, I'm going to ask you to, if you make that decision to check a box on your connection card, that's just to let us know. That's not what makes you be saved. Your prayer isn't what causes salvation, right? They're like showing up to church, your morality, performing religious, uh, you know, roles, right? Like none of that brings you to faith. None of that saves you. You know what it is? It's Christ. (laughs) It's a gift. And so if you're here this morning and you're going, Man, I, th- I think that's what I need. I think that's what God is saying to me. I think that's what I need. Then I want to invite you right now, by faith, wherever you're at, is to just simply say yes. Say yes to Jesus as your forgiver. Say yes to Jesus as your leader. And yes, there's all kinds of things behind that, and you don't know what all that includes yet. But all you need to know now is that he's done all the work. And if you want a relationship with God, it starts by saying yes to him. And I want to invite you to do that. Now, we love to pray for one another here at Lighthouse Community. And so we want to pray for you. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing one more song. And during that song, we're going to have prayer leaders who are going to be available at each corner of the room, right? All the four corners, people are going to be available to pray with you about any area of your life. And you don't have to be a member of Lighthouse Community to receive prayer. You don't have to be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. We all need prayer. And so uh, what you can do is when we start singing this last song, I'm going to invite everybody to stand. And at that moment, you can slip out of your seat, head down the aisle, go to any one of the four corners. And we've got a prayer leader who's ready to pray with you about any area of your life. If you're joining us online, uh, you can go to our website uh, and then forward slash prayer. And you can submit requests there. We'll get those in real time. Uh, But we want to do that for you. And so before I invite you to pray, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.